Come on in guys and welcome to the Tech Bench. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're two friends from the Midlands who are absolutely die-hard Survivor fans. Join us as we cover all things Survivor around the globe and other reality television. Make sure guys you engage with us, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all of those fun stuff. Um, and make sure you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So take your seat on the sit-out bench and let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Sisset French. Hope you've had a great Christmas and New Year, but we are finally back, uh, coming towards the end of January now. Joe, how are you? Yeah, doing good, mate. You say finally back, jeez. It's only been 20 <laughs> days, but it feels like a lifetime. It <laughs> I'm still not used to saying 2024 to people. And actually, this, this year scares me a little bit, Matthew. This is a big year for me. Yours truly is turning 3-0 this year. Oh God! Uh, yeah, I know. So old. It's really embarrassing because I find the big thing that's going to frustrate me is that this is the year where I'm going to have to start moving up when I select my age bracket from 24 to 29. Suddenly, I'm in the 30 to 39 range. Uh, That's a bit of a kick in the dick, truth be told. (laughs) (laughs) You've got five years when applying to Survivor before you get treated as the old person. I'm taking a lot of enthusiasm, though, watching Love Island right now and seeing people who are still 33 saying, I'm just matured, like, and I'm ready yeah. to find true love. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when, when I used to watch uh, Love Island at university and people would be like the same age as me and I, I still felt like a literal child, like <laughs> going to classes and stuff. Dude, there are always those people that I don't know how they find them, but they just look like proper adults. And I'm yes. just like, dude, I still got spots on my back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so in short, Christmas and New Year were good, thank you. How are yours? <laughs> yes, mine were good as well. Everything went according to plan. Uh, the barbecue works after it exploded. So we're all, we're all good on that front. Uh, yeah, had a good one. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, though, I'm really excited just to be back together. I think, you know, we've got a lot of really exciting things happening in 2024. Lots of great content. Um, and obviously, we're back to cover all of your, your favourite shows. Yes, so we're just hopping on today to have a, a general chat, a casual chat, just to get us back into the swing of things, I think, more than anything. Uh, so we're going to be covering a, a wide variety of topics today, ranging from Survivor UK to Australian Survivor, which we're going to be covering coming up soon, Traitors UK, which we've both been watching that has just started airing. We're also going to be talking about our other TV recommendations for fans of Survivor UK and things that they can go out and watch right now. Let's get straight into it then, and let's start from the top with the thing that made us so popular. Let's talk about... So popular. (laughs) (laughs) With the thing that the people want. It's like that part in, um, you know, the Jay-Z song? Uh, It gets the people going. (laughs) 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 Let's let's talk about Survivor UK. It may have finished. All the episodes are out there being aired to everybody. Really interesting your take, Matt. You know, now a couple of weeks on from Matthew being crowned sole survivor. You know, how are you feeling still about Survivor UK? I think it's a really interesting one, actually, because, you know, I've been listening to people's reviews that have been coming out gradually over the holiday period. Obviously, a lot of those people are Americans, um, because obviously Survivor is a much bigger thing over there. And there's primarily an American um, force on social media about the season. And they're all actually quite high on the season. And I think overall, I would say I'm 
I thought it was a solid season. I did enjoy it, but it's quite interesting to see just how high the the US audience is on the season compared to the UK audience. I I, I do find myself frustrated them talking about scones all the time. Like, do you know, like oh, like in their reviews. <laughs> yeah, it's very sort of you know quirky. They love it because it's quirky, rather than they love it because of the game. Sometimes they love us Brits. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, though. I based on all those reviews, I would have a very similar feeling. And what I was really surprised at is as I was speaking to, you know, friends and family that you kind of connect with over Christmas and over holidays, I was actually just surprised at how many casual people in my life had been watching it. But, you know, I had no idea. They were just kind of catching up, some on demand, some were watching it live. But I actually think there was actually a more of a solid casual audience than maybe we thought when we were doing the show or when we were watching the show live. And I've gone back, I've rewatched a lot of the episodes, and actually I do feel good in some ways. Knowing how it ends has actually helped me a lot in some of that pre-merge to really be able to know, okay, this is heading somewhere, picking up on some of those storylines that maybe I missed first time around. So it feels like a, actually a really good rewatch, and it just kind of improves over time like a, like a fine wine or an old cheese. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can kind of see how all of the pieces fit together uh, when you go back and watch it and you really look at the season overall. I think like how they introduce the idols late, how they introduce different aspects of the games like later on. I think although it didn't make for the best viewing in the early weeks, I do think it makes sense and hopefully it does uh, a build up a good structure for that potential second season that we really want to have. Yeah, and that's the weird part I would say is the only downside is obviously casting is open Everyone is absolutely jacked about that. Wish they'd come out now and just say, yes, it's confirmed for season two. Yeah, I know probably they don't have that information, but I think that'd be really good. And also, I've seen a bit of Matthew in kind of the media that's out there. Not seen as much of Leilani, not seen much of Chris. And it's kind of timing, isn't it? You know, festive period. But also, I think just something around capitalising on that momentum you know, let's keep up the excitement and the hype. And a really missed opportunity, I think, with Survivor UK, was obviously broadcast on Tenplay over in Australia. Australian Survivor's about to kick off, and we haven't yet got that news that we are dying for, that it's going to be on the BBC or it's going to be on Amazon Prime Live. I think it must have been a production choice, or at least a Bal and J BBC choice, to only do interviews for Matthew, because I haven't seen any of the interviews for the other finalists, which obviously, as you said, is a shame. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to bring those uh, to you hopefully coming soon. I, I do hope that we also get confirmation of airing of Australian Survivor over here because otherwise the majority of people are going to have to wait you know, until the end of the season to be able to catch it on Amazon Prime. And in the age of social media, especially now people are engaging with hashtag survivor on Twitter, for example, for UK viewers, you know, they're going to be spoiled on the season when they don't want to be. Yeah, it's really difficult just to kind of follow it because you know let's talk really honest here we don't want to encourage people to go out and to watch things illegally you know in the ideal world there would be a way to legally watch both survivor us and australian survivor and obviously me and matt we want to go on record to say we never legally watch any seasons if you're listening to this from <laughs> any law enforcement <laughs> we want to be firm in that commitment but let's just take last season of australian survivor heroes versus villains so I know a lot of people who are watching that were either watching that in one of two ways. One was through illegal means, or the other one is that we're really fortunate that there was a brave soul on YouTube, Macy76, 
who was uploading full episodes in HD. But that we just kind of locked out on that. No one in the UK knows if that's happening again or how and where it's going to happen. So, yeah, there's a big audience for it. And I think if the BBC are bold enough to make that move, it only builds up the hype for a potential season two in the UK. Just uh, wrapping up about the UK, I was going to say, um, obviously, we're going to have a, a mini review podcast coming out either soon or by the time this one is released, uh, where everyone that you've been hearing us talk to over the season is going to be giving a, a short review just to sum up their thoughts on the season overall, because obviously we did get to hear from all of them uh, later on in the season. Uh, and then obviously we are going to have some UK interviews coming up soon. So that's really exciting as well. Uh, but now we've talk- started talking about Australian survival, we may as well move on to talk about it fully. I feel very much here like uh, an old Qui-Gon Jinn approaching Anakin in the deserts of Tatooine here as I talk to you, Matt, about Australian Survivor. Because since we've known each other, I've been trying to convince you that AU Survivor is where it's at, man. It's, it is surpassed the US season. And you dug yourself in the hole, like classic uni student move of it's half an hour before the deadline and you're still writing the essays. You still haven't watched all of Australian Survivor. Yeah, I, 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 bet I haven't even finished watching one season yet, not gonna lie. So, <laughs> so I'd already seen the first season of Australian Survivor. Not the first season, but the third season, but the first season. Kind of like the UK had was a, a season in the past. There's also seasons in the past in Australia. Uh, and then they came back with a reboot. So I've watched the first season of that. I'm nearly finished with the second season. I'm now on the final five. It's a solid season. I, it's it's kind of a slog to get through just because how many episodes there are. There's like 26 episodes. Um but I am told that these are the two, well, not the two weakest seasons, but that it gets better from here until one season where it's bad and when it gets better again. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think I might have swayed you on that one, to be fair. We're going to run through in a second, but I think you call out some really good differences. One is the season length. So for AU Survivor, it's three episodes a week, and usually the seasons are around sort of 22 to 25 episodes. So they really bulk it out. Days tend to vary, but it tends to be around sort of the 45-day mark. And really, the reason it's so bulky is because Australian Survivor, there's a couple of, I suppose, really key differences just watching it. One is the physicality of the game. It's really big. The challenges are really big. The people... We can talk about the people later, maybe, (laughs) in terms of how they're different. But they're definitely... You see a lot more sort of fitness people, a lot of strong people. Those Nathan type characters those sort of archetypes it's a very physical game is one thing second one has to be the non-eliminations we see a lot more sort of surprise moves to tribe swap to vote out someone from the jury to mutiny those kind of things they're much more frequent um, and tend to drag out the season sometimes so a classic example of this is in blood versus water where they had three episodes where they voted people out three people out who all went to redemption Island. And then three people all came back into the game. So essentially, it was like you've watched a week of TV (laughs) for no point whatsoever. Um, And I think the final thing I would add is they love a blind side in Australian Survivor, which is really great, actually. And I love that part. It's it's much more dynamic and people looking for big moves, I feel. Just touching on um, the season being dragged out. So I'm on the final five of the second uh, season of Australian Survivor. And there's still four episodes left. (laughs) (laughs) whereas in any other version there'd be like one episode left i have no idea how they're going to drag it out for four episodes but i feel like it's going to be difficult to get through (laughs) 
Why is it that you haven't been able to get into it as much as US Survivor? The pre-merge I enjoyed. I found it pretty easy to watch. Every time there's a non-alim, really, I sort of hit a yeah a bit of a hurdle, and then I watch a bit more, and then there's another one, and <laughs> I watch a bit more. But th- th- this season, I would say, up until the final seven is pretty exciting but it, it has kind of dropped off a bit but you know it's <laughs> it's fine that happens in some seasons of survivor and i'm excited to watch the next few as well because i know that they're meant to be really really good but i do like how australian survivors edited it's fairly balanced from what i've seen so far i've heard that that potentially might skew differently in the later seasons but 100 it skews oh god <laughs> <laughs> but in the early seasons especially it's a very even edit so you get to know all of the characters yeah, the editing is going to get brutal from <laughs> some of it, anyway. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's run through it then. If you are somebody who has never seen, you've just watched Survivor UK and you want to watch Australian Survivor, then the golden words for you are Amazon Prime. Um, so right now, pretty much all of the seasons and episodes of Australian Survivor are on Amazon Prime. Um, there's a weird exception where season three has a couple of episodes missing, um, but Actually, Survivor Global has put them on YouTube in free uh, 1080p quality, so you can always catch up there. And we're going to give you, I think, our feelings on how these seasons rank and the best seasons to catch up on. Matt, I don't know how much you want to take this now. You've really shown everybody that you are not a true fan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're very much student and teacher in this regard. (laughs) But... um... I would say that the second one's better than the first one. So the first one, I would say, is similar to the UK in that there's some players who are playing hard and some players who don't really know the game and are all about loyalty and tribe strength. But because of how long it is, it's worse than the UK. Because like there's a few good blindside episodes, as there was in UK. But then like around those in the UK, you've only got one or two other episodes, whereas in, Australia, in the first one of Australia, it's just stretches upon stretches of nothingness but the the finale of the first season of australian survivor is an excellent episode (laughs) (laughs) just golden tv (laughs) but yeah that's my opinions on the two seasons that i've watched so far do you want to fill in the gaps joe (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't worry mate i'll I'll take the other (laughs) (laughs) i know that heroes versus villains is good (laughs) yeah so I love Australian Survivor. It's what got me into Survivor in the first place. I think because it's so accessible as well on Amazon Prime, I think that really works um, in terms of being able to, that watchability factor, just being able to pop on an episode at any time. So I think genuinely, if you're coming to it, the best way to do it is to go just linearly, you know, start with season three or Australian Survivor 2016 and just work your way through because they're going to be lots of returning players the game's going to really evolve and so jumping around i think you're either going to hit spoilers or you're going to hit something that's there but if you have watched them before this is my tier of australian survivor and i've tried to split them up into top tier middle tier bottom tier and you can just watch the recap (laughs) of which there's one so these are my (laughs) tiers i think the top tiers of australian survivor Definitely Heroes versus Villains, which is the most recent season. Absolutely phenomenal season. Great gameplay. Really strategic. Has some of the best tribal councils that you will ever see in any version of Survivor. Absolutely loved it. I would also put Brains versus Brawl, um, which was season eight. Again, really great concepts. There's action right from the pre-merge all the way through to the post-merge. 
And it's really unique in the sense that actually the two best players really get through to the end. And so you have this really exciting end game where actually anybody could take it. And it comes down to a few decisive moves or episodes that happen throughout the season. So I would put that in the top tier as well. And for me, and this is a controversial take, I would also put Australian Survivor All-Stars in the top tier. It's a really unevenly edited season. (laughs) (laughs) By the end of about episode four or five, you'll know who the winner is. But the winner is just golden. They are absolutely amazing. (laughs) Um, So I really love those are my top tiers. I then have in my middle tier, Champions versus Contenders 1 and 2. And I'd probably put 2017 in the middle tier as well and which is probably unusual that 2017 at least for aussies is most people's top season i just i don't rate it that much it's is that the one i'm watching now yeah that's the one you're watching now usually that's top of people's lists like really? hands down i mean there's some good characters but the gameplay is not exactly apart from a few bits of the merge the gameplay is not that exciting yeah i think that's partly why they love it is because all of the boring people go very early and you do have lots of people who are going to be returning players. But yeah. I agree. And I think the last, the final five is horrendous. Like, <laughs> And then I think bottom tier is 2016. I still think it's a really good season. I just think it's the first one. Like you say, there's a, there's a huge, huge majority that dominates right the way through. And obviously the season that I don't think anyone really needs to watch is Blood versus Water. It's just a lot of uninteresting people unfortunately playing survivor most people rank that season like bottom internationally right yeah it's the thing is it's not a bad pre-merge and the really exciting thing about blood versus water as a concept is as a concept i love it and i think all of the u.s seasons um so the one with tyson so survivor 27 and san i can never say it san juan san juan del sur Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'll probably butch that San Juan del Sur. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I think both of those seasons are really good. So the concept works. I love San Juan del Sur. Yeah, there are just not a lot of interesting characters in this. And it does make it really hard. So they're really exciting at the beginning because you have people like Sandra, who's a two-time winner in the US seasons, coming in with her daughter. And that's really exciting. Unfortunately, she goes in the pre-merge. And yeah, it just... It really drags out, and especially as I kind of hinted before, that part where three people come back from Redemption Island. You just... (laughs) Why? (laughs) Yeah. Especially because it was the three people voted out in chronological order, and then they all came back in in the same episode. It was just... Yeah, it was... So you can literally skip ahead three episodes. (laughs) Legitimately, yeah. Okay, but let's flip it, though. So that's Australian Survivor. I do do really rate it. We're definitely going to cover it when it happens. We're still trying to figure out right now our kind of scheduling. What we're anticipating is doing a weekly show, but we're waiting, hopefully, to put out our pre-season cast assessment as soon as some of the bios drop and we have a little bit more information about how they're going to play the game beyond, you know, what we've done as stalkers on their Instagram page and their LinkedIn. Let's flip the script, though. So that's something I'm really into and know a lot about, whereas you're newer to this. But the other really exciting show that's happening right now across the UK is The Traitors. Yes. (laughs) We love The Traitors. Well, I do. (laughs) (laughs) You're not as hot on The Traitors, are you? (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) 
it's on the BBC right now. It's on iPlayer. We thought we'd just do kind of like a mid-season recap. And, and here's my experience of the Traitors. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. I've only binged one season and I'm watching this one sporadically. My honest impression of it is that it's such a random game that everybody who talks about having a strategy is just lying through their arse. Like, I don't think it is a strategic game. I think it's like luck. Yeah, so the thing about the Traitors is that it, you can play it strategically, but there is a huge element of luck involved in it. But, like, I don't know, I just kind of accept that that's the show. Like, <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. me, I, I'm not trying to make it more than that because I just say uh, the format doesn't really work in a way that... I mean, you could add, like, extra roles in it because if you don't know, essentially the Traitors is a game of werewolf or mafia, but on the telly, essentially. <laughs> so, like, they could make it more strategic by adding in more roles and stuff, which they might do later down the line. But, you know, for now, they're kind of trying to keep it simple. So the Traitors UK and also Traitors US 2, which is airing, just started, uh, on my seventh and eighth seasons of watching the Traitors. So uh, I'm I'm a big Traitors fan. You know, I love a good murder mystery, so it's kind of my vibe in all areas. What's your favourite and least favourite thing about the format of the Traitors? So I think it might be the same thing wrapped into one, if I can do that. Yeah. So the thing that I both hate and love about the traitors more than anything else is the cliffhangers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I hate it is because I know I have to watch the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I had this same experience when I watched The Mole um, on Netflix. So the show would always finish on a cliffhanger and I yeah. would I'd, I'd end the episode and I went, Wow, that sucked. Yeah. But I have to watch the next one to know what happens. And by the time you've started watching the next one, you probably just think, oh, I might as well just keep going then. Yeah, you've seen the whole series. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that part for me is a real drawback, this kind of this kind of forced drama. So I'm trying to watch live along with you um, for season two. I think the Ash one is a great example when clearly yeah. everyone had voted out Ash, and yet they still left it as a cliffhanger in terms of what she was going to say. Yeah, where it's like, <laughs> she's just going to say that she's a traitor. Yeah. And knowing me, I was a total sucker. I tuned back in to be like, oh, is she going to say something? Is she yeah. going to throw them under the bus? Spoiler, she didn't. She just said goodbye, everyone. I'm a traitor. But yeah. yeah. That part for me is really frustrating. And I think the other part is, I can't quite figure out what it is so it's not a challenge show because the challenges feel very separate and they feel yeah. like everyone's together and nicey-nicey. And then suddenly there's this randomness of just kind of voting out people. And I think what I'd love to see, if there is a strategy, Matt, I think it's this. It's to approach the traitors like you do Survivor and it's building up a voting block yeah. and voting people out systematically rather than the randomness of... Oh, Matt, you've changed now. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you, you used to brush your eyebrows this way, now you brush them that way. And I just don't believe in that. I agree. Essentially, it's an, it's an alliance game, but you need to work out whether any member of your alliance is a traitor. And if they are, that's probably for the better because they'll keep you in the game. <laughs> it has some cracking characters. I will give it that. There are some really good people that have come out of it. Um, and I think Claudia does a good job of choosing the interesting people as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Wilf last season, Paul this season. Um, yeah, it has some really good characters, but I think it could it could do with some more Survivor-esque-ness. Yeah, I agree. I think the challenges are probably the weakest part of the show. I like the fact that they're now allowed to, like, 
go and get the shield in the challenge and then so like they've got a way of keeping themselves safe but then like is that is that that interesting because then there's no strategy behind them keeping who's got the shield secret and stuff like that so it, it's it's hit and miss for me but let's let's talk about this season in a in a little more depth then so let's let's talk about our traitors obviously you spoke about ash before um she just wasn't very good really <laughs> She did a bad job of hiding the fact that she was a traitor. I don't know if she did. Like, did, did she? Like, based on what I saw on the screen, I didn't see anything that she did wrong. Like, I think she was just too sus. Like, she she was playing too much like she was playing the game, I think. That seems to be the, the issue that people had. And I think, obviously, there's another person that's playing slightly too hard of a game within the traitors, which, for me, would be Paul. Do you think so? yeah. I just think he's he's getting way too overconfident. It's going to go downhill for him at some point. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no doubt for me that he is. You're right. He's very overconfident. I personally like that. Give me a guy who's a bit of a dick, and I'm I'm there for it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I think he is really interesting as a character. I I thought he he definitely has one of the loudest voices. Um, not in a loud way, but in terms of that persuasion. And I think he's very good at kind of deflecting. Is that what it's called when he's like yeah. at the round table? Yeah, he's very good at deflecting. I just think where, like, how he put himself into the bottom four in that dungeon and just just went off with the assumption that he'd be voted the most popular and saved by the group. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they nearly saved all the non-traitors, and then that would have been catastrophic for the, the traitors there. But yeah, I, I think Paul's a really fun character, but I don't think he's playing the most sensible game, I'd say. Yeah bit wild and loose yeah and someone who i thought was playing a good game until the end of the last episode where they went around screaming at people to try and take a drink out of this goblin <laughs> was miles <laughs> i thought he was playing really well and under the radar but like if they say that the person last night was murdered in plain sight they're immediately going to suspect the person <laughs> that was running around the house going someone drink this wine <laughs> does anyone want sparkling rosé <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was crazy. Like, <laughs> it was when they were all in the library and they were like looking for a book. Like, we've been gone for an hour. Yeah. And then they all went outside as well and everyone's like, where have yeah. they all gone? Oh, man. But the, the person that I think is playing the best game of the traitors is Harry. I don't okay. know how you feel about that. So it kind of ties into how I feel about, about Miles. So I think Miles is playing the worst. Um, Do you? Okay. But I also think that means he's going to get the first. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you can see the dynamics in the... I don't know what it's called. Is it the Traitor's Tower? Yeah. Um, yeah, so in the Traitor's Tower, I thought you saw it at the end of the last episode, you saw Paul and Harry really talking and discussing. And I think Miles' line was, yeah, are we sure? And that was yeah. like his only snippet. And so you can see that he doesn't, for me, Miles does not have a voice as a traitor. But in some ways, that means it's more likely that Harry and Paul are going to choose people that are ultimately going to be picked off first. Yeah. Um, I do think Harry is very good. You know, there's from what I've seen on the show, there's no suspicion on him at the moment, which is really great to see. He's very good at like faking emotions, you know, yeah. or, or using other experiences to channel their inner softy. But yes. I do. I do think he is a good if there is such a thing as a good traitor. Um, he's definitely doing well to avoid suspicion. Yeah, I think he's he's playing a really good game in that 
people think he is like a full-on faithful and they really love him and there's no way like people just go off based of oh he seems like a nice person there's no way that he could ever be a traitor which obviously is ridiculous if you have a good relationship with someone people will let you get further than you should do really like on the first season of the uk one like that group around wilf were not going to vote him out at all mm. uh, until that other dude blew up his game at the end so it's like if, if you're getting good with a group which is basically an alliance but if you see it strategically and everyone else sees it as a social thing then that's even better for you really mm. and it does seem to me actually that it's it's just whoever's the funnest at the parties is likely yeah. to win <laughs> Because they're not forming strategies based on any like, you know, strategic value. It's just kind of who do I like? Yeah, you know, <laughs> which is normal, I suppose. You know, people, birds of a feather, and all that. Yeah, exactly. I think if you're a bit of an outsider, you're doomed to go home very early. Yeah, there are some people I think feel like they're strategic, but just come across like really cringy. Like I think Zach and Anthony both like really good examples of yeah. that. Of, of people who think they're so like you know counterintuitive and against the system but really they just come off slightly odd yeah <laughs> well, there's always people like them like in their archetype that come up with these kooky plans like i'm going to accuse this random person of being a traitor because i think that will help the group <laughs> and it's mm. like what <laughs> i can see zach especially doing something like that later down the line yeah so talking about other players then, who else are we enjoying watching from the season? Uh, I like that guy with a huge arm. He's, huge arm. He was in the dungeon as well. I don't know his oh, name, yeah. but he just has arms that are like <laughs> tree trunks. Yeah, I thought he was playing a good game and then suddenly they all started suspecting him out of nowhere and I was like, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's the thing though, isn't it? Like, You can do the smallest thing and people just suspect you immediately. Yeah. My favourite player is Diane, personally. <laughs> I do love a messy mother figure. A messy mother figure. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she's just great. And that moment where uh, she says in the confessional, Paul's not my son, but Ross is. <laughs> That's like an S-tier UK reality TV moment. <laughs> I just love like how UK reality TV people, like in America, a little like crazy and like screaming and like kicking off in confessionals. And in the UK, we just got people sat there like, I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think credit to Ross. Like, I don't think I could call my mum by her first name for an extended period. No, it's like... impressive that they haven't slipped up at all yet. And the fact that it was like, my mum makes the worst roast dinners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like goading her when she couldn't retaliate. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the, <laughs> the digs in now. <laughs> Truly incredible. As a couple, they're doing much better. I know in season one there was um pink haired guy and blonde haired girl who were a couple. Yeah, and um, then he just decided to say, uh, oh yeah, yeah, by the way, she's my girlfriend. I tell you, that was awkward to watch when she was flirting with the other guy. Yes. <laughs> he was her boyfriend was there. That was that was really grim. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they're doing much better than those two um it'll be interesting to see what happened though if one of them does get uh banished killed murdered yeah do we think diane takes a drink from the goblet that he passes her at the end of the episode or do we reckon that's a double bluff no she doesn't 
<laughs> I can let someone else. <laughs> and the reason she doesn't is I was casually scrolling Twitter. Yeah. And I saw that the BBC had put up a um, poll on their Instagram that says, who drinks from the cup, Diane or Evie? <laughs> I don't even know who Evie is. What no. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact they gave another option to me just screams <laughs> that it's yeah. not Diane. <laughs> But if, so, so if like Diane's like, no, I'm not drinking this, and then Evie's like, oh, I'll have it, and then they tell them that they were murdered in plain sight, and Evie dies, like that's going to be the most obvious thing yeah. ever. Do you know what though? Probably in true like true cliffhanger style, we'll tune in next episode, and we'll just see her drinking it within like the first two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this could be like for the anti-double bluff, like with the ash exit. <laughs> There's got to be a better way to convince someone to drink out of a cup, hasn't there? Like, than, than pouring... Go around saying, here, drink this. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so my thought was, can't you put the goblet among the other glasses on and the bar it up. and someone would just drink from it naturally? Yeah. Like, hide enough glasses that they have to use that glass. Yeah. Or you just pass it to them and you say cheers. Yeah. <laughs> I just think he's panicked massively. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very bold decision to fill it with a drink before you <laughs> <laughs> before you even know who's going to drink it. I don't know who they are, or what they want to drink, but I'm going to go sparkling rosé. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see Diane say no, thank you in the next episode, and then we'll see the clock like ticking down like ten seconds, and then we'll see him running around the mansion going, "Who the fuck drinks rosé?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is the other thing because, like, what does happen? There just seems to be lots of rules that kind of like <laughs> that are never explained until like a scenario happens, yeah. which makes me feel like producers are just making it up. Well, there's two that's one thing I don't understand. I don't know what happens if they don't finish a mission, like, presumably they're punished somehow, whatever that is, you know. Yeah, but the other part that I really don't understand is the traitor's oath, right. How how binding is this? So the idea that they can never reveal a traitor. So I saw in the last season that I watched, and I think you mentioned it, that guy at the end. Gosh, this sounds like I, <laughs> this is probably a really good reflection, actually, of my traitor knowledge. There's a guy at the end who's a traitor <laughs> who dobs in uh, Wilfie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, you just snaked him massively. But I don't quite understand. Can they hint that someone's a traitor can they vote for a traitor or what they, I mean, they must be able to vote for them because they voted for Ash, yeah they can they? vote for them um so in the last one he said this is my parting gift so like i think they were just told that you can't outright say that someone's a traitor in the last one and so that was within the rules that were given to him but, <laughs> but i assume say... after that they've revised the rules to say that you can't like heavily imply that someone else isn't the traitor as well. I, mean, I, can't, I can't tell you who the traitor is, but I meet them every night in a tower. Yeah. <laughs> in other international versions, like, there's been things like people, like, giving someone the evils at the table and then, like, giving another traitor because they just voted for them. So, like, that's allowed in those versions, so who knows, really. I, I personally think that part of the game is, if you're going to backstab a traitor, you have to do it in a way that doesn't get the blood on your hands like i feel like that's part of the game like because mm. it's too easy to just say oh well they're a traitor they get banished and then suddenly everyone believes you're a faithful i think there has to be an aspect of danger to pulling off that move yeah. that that is the strategy though isn't it if there, if there is a strategy in this crazy show 
to me, is being a traitor and killing the other traitors really soon and recruiting new people, then killing them straight away. So more often than not, that has not worked in the previous Oh, really? <laughs> because as soon as people get recruited and see that the traitors just killed off all the other traitors, they then kill that traitor. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no trust there. <laughs> so what about if you just don't recruit anyone? Again, is this an unwritten rule that there has to be more than one traitor? So that there does have to be more than one traitor. That is the one rule. So you okay. don't have to recruit for as long as you don't want to until there's only one of you left that you're forced to recruit. So theoretically, then, the best position to be in is to be the helpless idiot till right at the end when you become a traitor and vote the other person out. Yeah. The best, the best strategy is to just play dumb and then either get recruited at the end and vote at the other traitor or work out who the traitors are and make sure that they get voted out. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Makes sense. Do you have any predictions for this season? Who are you looking at as, do you think the traitors might win? <laughs> or do you think the will win? <laughs> I'm just trying to work out the traitors. <laughs> the traitors' names. Like. <laughs> okay, predictions. What I think of the traitors from what I've seen of them, I think Miles will last the longest only because he's the worst <laughs> based on my very limited understanding Miles who we know is a friend of the pod after seeing this you know <laughs> so I think that's my first prediction okay so in terms of the traitors I actually think this goblet thing is going to cause Miles to go home unless like well I don't know any way in which it wouldn't because it's been so obvious like even if they don't kill anyone Will they find out that they tried to kill someone? Do you know what I mean? I think Harry and I think Paul will make it quite far. I don't think Paul will win. I think he's kind of like a final seven, final six boot type of person. I think if the traitors win, there's two faithful that I'm looking at that are being portrayed as a bit dumb, which is Charlie, who's the the mental health uh, manager, I think she is. Um, She's the one from up north. And uh, they keep showing her say like every single episode, like, I think Paul is definitely not a traitor. <laughs> I think Harry is definitely not a traitor. And then the other one is Charlotte, who's the, the girl with the dark hair. She had a few confessionals where she's saying, I just don't think they're a traitor. So I think if the traitors win, they could be potential faithfuls that they that lose to them. Um, I don't know, in terms of winning faithfuls, there's not really anyone that I'm looking at. I mean, Jazz, the, the Asian guy, has shown to have some really good reads, but he hasn't really been shown enough for me to feel like he's going to be a, a big character on the season Ross and Diane potentially but I feel like they've just got a big edit because they're mother and son really mm. so yeah I, I'm, I'm predicting a try to win this season okay and does that happen very often I know that Sari won but only because she was a survivor player <laughs> so let me just this is impressive that you're doing the maths in real time okay so I'm not going to say how many exactly because that's spoilery but more traitors win. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting because, like I said, I've only watched season one UK and, and that just made it seem like impossible for a traitor <laughs> to win. <laughs> I think it's more, I think it's harder for Faithful to win personally, unless they're recruited at the end. Because they don't have any say in the randomness. Yeah, and if you're good at the game, you're just going to get murdered really early. That's just just how it works. (laughs) I remember you telling me about the crazy strategy about making the traitors your friends 
but that's yeah. like next level. Like <laughs> you have to look into that as well. Like you have to just naturally befriend people and then realize, oh, I think this person might actually be a traitor. <laughs> My predictions for the season, basing this off absolutely nothing. I'm going to say a faithful win, and I really like the guy with the big arm to be the winner. <laughs> 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 not done my usual level of research <laughs> for this podcast yes apologies guy with big arm we cannot remember your name but you're a winner in our eyes <laughs> friend of the pod <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do think it's really good and this is just the BBC generally but I do really like that they're just like normal everyday people playing this game that feels really good to me yeah. as opposed to I saw the cast list for um season two is it of us yeah and like it's got deontay wilder on there like flipping egg like you know ex heavyweight champion of the world like yeah it's got... it's, it's all celebs really yeah ekin sue yeah ekin sue's on there she's uh getting into fights already really <laughs> yeah jeez is uh davide there no he's not <laughs> <laughs> so the only two English people on US2 are Ekin Sue and former Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burke. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't comment on that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that he was on there. It's, pre- it's pretty fun. Not <laughs> so uh, talking about them, then, let's let's move on to our, our recommendations of other shows um, that people can watch if they enjoyed some of UK and also Traitors UK, we'll throw them in there. So just in general, sort of social strategy shows, I'd call them, to different degrees, arguably. <laughs> but, but they're all coming under that sort of umbrella. Well, let's talk about the biggest show that's on right now that everyone should be getting in on. Let's talk about Love Island All-Stars. Is that not the biggest social strategy show in the world? Um... I, mean, I will call it a social strategy show the day that someone chooses steel at the end of the game. <laughs> How that hasn't happened yet, <laughs> I will never know. Genuinely, I think there's more strategy. There's less randomness in Love Island than there is like in The Traitors. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Guys, I am a secret Love Island fan. It's not that secret. I was going to say, it's not a secret. <laughs> As of recording this um, on the... Uh, what day is it today? <laughs> Today, we found out that Jake was leaving the villa after only being there for three days. Uh, the real ones know. So didn't they, pa- they paired him up with the girl that he was with on the previous season, right? Yeah, that's right. So Jake and Liberty were together on season seven, and they were pretty much together from day dot all the way through to the final four or final five. And basically, Liberty had seen some footage whilst Jake was at Casa Moor. And throughout the season where he basically just said he wasn't that into her. And so, like, she was devastated by this. Oh, no. And they were on a yacht date. Um, and they basically just broke up. And they said, today's going to be my last day in the villa. And they left before they could even be voted out by the public. Um, oh, God. But, yeah, essentially, Liberty was very nice. A little bit ditzy, perhaps, but very sweet. Um, and Jake was just a bit of a dick, <laughs> to be honest. A bit of a jack the lads. Um, I feel like that's the case with most pairings on <laughs> the violin. The nice, the guy's a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite part about Love Island is 
when you see people individually who have veneers, you're astounded by how beautiful they are. When you see 20 people who all have veneers, <laughs> you feel like you're in some sort of a weird cult tribe. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but it is great fun. And um, Love Island Twitter, that's the type of action that I want to see on Survivor UK Season 2. Completely agree. That, that's what we all aspire our social media to be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's going to be my first one. I think the other... <laughs> Dude, this is going to be so bad, because all I'm going to say are, like, crappy shows. <laughs> <laughs> Go um, for it. No judgment here. I'm also a big fan of The Ultimatum. You watch The Ultimatum? Never heard of that, though. Oh, dude, you would love The Ultimatum. It is crazy. <laughs> okay, premise of the show. You have a couple where one has given the other one an ultimatum to either marry them or to leave them. Right. Okay. <laughs> so you're coming with like this horrendous circumstance anyway. Once they get there, there are usually about six couples. They start dating all the other people for about two days to get to know them. And they then have to choose another person to couple up with for three weeks and to live with them for three weeks as though they were boyfriend and girlfriends. The way they pose it is we've broken up and we're having a trial marriage with someone else. And right. Then, and then they have three weeks back with their original partner. And at the end of the six weeks period, they either have to marry them or they break up. Oh, no. <laughs> it is phenomenal telly. <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> it's so good. I I feel dirty watching it, but I love it. (laughs) Okay, let's go to you for some proper social strategy games. Okay, so just quickly, I wanted to sort of rank the other traitor seasons in sort of like best to worst, just to give an idea of which ones people should watch. Um, So you've got New Zealand, which I really like. I think it's very similar to the UK in that people from New Zealand seem to also be like fairly chill as opposed to like big reality characters which is interesting because New Zealand's cast has a lot of New Zealand celebrities on but they're kind of just like down to earth regular Joe type people just hobbits yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so next I'd say Canada and the first season of Australia they're both solid seasons Nothing much to write home about necessarily, but they both have really good endings um, and they're very enjoyable. Uh, US One is... So it's really great because it's got Suri on it, but it's like half celebrities, half like ordinary people. But the thing with that is they don't give any of the ordinary people an edit. So so there's just all these people there. I've got no idea who any of them are. They're just the red shirts. Literally. And the celebrities are just like screaming at each other at the round table. It's uh, it's very dramatic. It also has a good ending and Surrey is great on it. So recommend that one. Australia 2 is the car crashiest car crash you have ever seen in your life. It is the Gabon of the traitors. (laughs) (laughs) Why? What happens? So the traitors are unlikably cocky, overly hammy, but the faithful are really, really dumb. <laughs> they are like <laughs> two people. It's got Luke Toki on it for fans of Australian Survivor. 
and it, it's it's a very frustrating watch with an extremely satisfying ending, which I won't spoil because it's it's truly wonderful. And then I'd also recommend US Two, which has just started. Uh, Poverty and Sandra are on that for US Survivor fans. Uh, obviously, Ekin Sue for Love Island UK fans. And if anyone watches Big Brother US, it's got Dan Giesling and Janelle on it as well. So there's uh, there's a lot of big names in the sort of social strategy games that are going on there. I'm offended when you mentioned Ekin Sue. You didn't also shout out the Turkish media following that she has. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and also for Turkish media fans. <laughs> But yeah, another one that obviously I didn't know if you'd watched, but you mentioned earlier that you'd watched is The Mole. So do you want to talk about The Mole? <laughs> I don't know if there's a way to talk about The Mole. <laughs> Did the... you enjoy it? Uh, I didn't, no. I, I, I watched it. I, I watched all of it, but I did not enjoy it. I, ca- I can't it. even remember a huge amount of the premise other than someone is a mole <laughs> and they have to try and get them to like not win challenges. Um yeah, they have to like get them to fail the challenge. <laughs> yeah, and you vote people out at the end of every episode based on, you know, their attributes or something like that. Yeah, it's like so they take a test and they have to answer questions about who they believe the mole is. So it'll be like, what's the mole's first pet or something stupid like that? And then um, the person who's the least accurate gets eliminated from the game at the end of each episode. I just yeah. loved it. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> see. This is this is the difference between us. Like you like if you want a strategy game, you like a serious strategy game, <laughs> a well played strategy game. Whereas I just love a car crash. There's a woman on the mall called Joy, and honestly, the best TV I've ever seen. Spoilers, but I'm going to mention it when she just decides to take all the money from the pot <laughs> in an act of sabotage for no reason <laughs> when she's not even the mall. <laughs> <laughs> there were some great moments. The other one was when um I don't know his name, but there was a guy who came back and he was like he was waiting in the car and he was like, If you all want yes. me to, I can come back in the game. And there was like one person who said, I don't want him. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh. Oh, and, uh, the mole, um, the person playing the mole, who's like a production plant, gets more and more unhinged with their sabotages towards the end of the game, and then people still get it wrong at the end of the game, <laughs> even though spoilers, they're logging ice up a hill, and she's just chucked the ice off the side of the sled. That's too funny. Our Venn diagram is so small, man. Like we are blessed to have Survivor. Yes. I don't. <laughs> I don't think we connect. <laughs> it's not the survivor. Uh, Matt, we might connect on Squid Game, actually. I know yes. that's one we both like. That is a really good show on Netflix, social strategy. Again, there's an element of randomness to it, but I think it's a fair element of randomness. Um, it makes sense, given the TV show that it's based off of, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was a... I think we referenced it at the time. Horrendous ending. Like... <laughs> Like, Let's play rock, paper, scissors, everybody. <laughs> but I do really like that feels like really raw, like or sometimes when I watch even when I watch Survivor or when I watch The Traitors, I always feel sometimes people are kind of like self editing themselves. In yeah. the Squid Game, there was none of that. <laughs> there was no self editing. It was just raw selfishness, which I think was brilliant. Oh yeah, it's just great. I really enjoyed the whole the whole season. The ending was a little bit, but you know, <laughs> it was fine. Joe, are you watching the Trust a Game of Greed? 
I I haven't started watching that. Sell it to me in 60 seconds. So essentially, 11 people, they're all part of this trust. Uh, and at the end of the game, if they're all still there, they can split the money between them. Every night, there's a vote. They don't have to vote. They can choose to vote if they want to. And the person with the most votes gets eliminated from the trust. Uh, if there's a tie, no one goes home. And essentially, it's like, do you trust the people around you? And what's especially great about this one, which I think you'll like, is they've gathered a cast of colossal knobheads. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's unfair. Some of them are cool. And some of the knobheads are fun. But like, it's like if you want a, a, a TV show where you root for the people, this probably isn't for you. <laughs> but like... <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. There's four episodes out now. They're releasing another four tomorrow, I think. And um, it's, it's it's fairly strategic. So it's like some people are there like, I just trust everyone. And like, they're not playing strategically. But some people are playing strategically. Um, there's this woman on it called Julie, who I'll give a shout out to, who uh, makes some increasingly insane strategic decisions. But it's great <laughs> television. <laughs> but I, I think you might actually enjoy that one. So... Give that okay. one a watch. I'll watch that one. <laughs> Another one that you might like, which I've written down, is Devil's Plan, um, which is a Korean um, show with subtitles. And essentially, it's like Survivor, except not physical. So it's like all mental games. Okay. Um, and so they all start off with like three tokens as such. And, you know, if you win games, you gain more tokens. If you lose games, you lose tokens. Um, they can share tokens, they like build alliances with each other and stuff, but essentially it's like the people with the least tokens get eliminated, and then sort of the, the two people with the most go head to head at the end, but that's really good, and that's all fully social strategy games and they sort of do, so like the games themselves are like social strategy games within social strategy games and they do like these crazy re twist reveals where you think you know what's happening in the game and then suddenly they reveal like these two people have been plotting it since the start and stuff really? that one's really good i really enjoyed that one okay i might check that one out that sounds like me is it dubs as well or just subs i think it's just subtitles oh <laughs> do you know what i like sometimes i feel like that but like when i actually start watching it I'm, it's fine <laughs> <laughs> i tried watching um physical 100 um, which oh, obviously yeah. Korean subs. Um, I, I I couldn't watch any of the challenges because I was just reading the words. I was too <laughs> slow. <laughs> that is the positive with that. I suppose it's not very it's not very visual. Devil's plans not so you can you sort of got time to read the uh, the subtitles. <laughs> oh man, there's so much out there. Content man, content is king in 2024. It's wicked. I love it. <laughs> cool well listen it's been amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry for just blurting out word vomit to you all for the last hour <laughs> i think what we've shown is we've known nothing about the traitors uh give us some feedback on uh, spotify and let us know if we should recap the season as a whole <laughs> yeah like we, we won't be able to cover it all because we've got a lot of stuff coming up but we you know we can we can talk about the season as a whole once it's finished if you'd like us to do a one-off <laughs> Why Miles won? Because yeah. <laughs> he gave the sparkling rosé. <laughs> oh, yeah, but we're back to the grind now. We've had a really good couple of weeks off. Um, so, yeah, really expect soon 
to drop a lot more Survivor UK post-season content, to look out for our pre-season stuff around AU Survivor. Um, and we're really, really excited just to be back, just to be chattering and just have some banter, to be fair. Absolutely. It's been uh, great to get chatting again. feel like we've missed this. <laughs> <laughs> and also I felt very unprepared for this. So I don't even know how the stuff that also made sense, but you know. <laughs> Oh, Matt, for the people, where can they follow us? Yeah, so they can follow us on Instagram at the sit out bench, all lowercase with full stops in the middle, and over on X at the sit out bench. The best thing you can do to make the podcast grow is to give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and take the time to send the podcast to someone you love, uh, maybe with a chalice full of sparkling rose, <laughs> <laughs> but only because you love them. <laughs> listen to it. Listen to it. You listen to it. <laughs> Shoot the podcast in their face over a bar. <laughs> give, them the, give them the podcast with the same enthusiasm that Miles gives them a drink. <laughs> On that note, we're going to leave you with some great outtakes from us trying to record a new outro. They are not to be missed. <laughs> See you next time, guys. <laughs> Bye. Let's just keep going. Just keep saying random stuff and we'll just chop it all together into something beautiful. You go, you go. Just say something that connects us. <laughs> we're so cool it's not even funny <laughs> we're bonnie and clyde before bonnie and clyde <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing and that is the vibe of this podcast <laughs> come on in guys welcome to the sit out bench this is for us not for you but we hope you enjoy <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's let's stick to our normal one <laughs> yeah <laughs> Come on in, guys, and welcome to the sit bench. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're two diehard Survivor <laughs> We're two diehard Survivor fans. <laughs> this happens every time. Okay, go give, feed me again. Feed me again. Feed me, Seymour. <laughs> so take your sit out the sit bench. <laughs> so take your sit <laughs> Come on in, guys, and welcome to the sit bench. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're two huge friends. Why are we huge? <laughs> <laughs>